Hey, just a reminder that friend of the show and sketch card artist Ben Abusada is giving Rebel Base Card listeners 20% off sketch cards in his Etsy store. If you go to Etsy.com slash shop slash KSGeekman and use the code RebelBaseCard, you'll get 20% off of sketch cards. You can find the link in the show notes. All right, let's do the show. This is Norn Rad. And I'm Ian Taylor of the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast. And you're listening to the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Great pull, kid. You found something. You found the Rebel Base Card Podcast. What a piece of junk. I'm your host, Greg McLaughlin. Just as clumsy as he is stupid. Join me as we discuss Star Wars trading cards and card collecting. We need a statement, not a manifesto. We'll talk about sets from the original vintage. No, no, the one I'm pointing to. All the way to current releases. This? Yes. All right, let's get started. Commence primary ignition. Welcome back, or if this is your first episode, welcome aboard. My name is Greg McLaughlin, and this is the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Good show for you tonight, as my guest is Kara DJ. She is creator of the fanzine Into a Larger World that debuted last year at Celebration Chicago. It's kind of a harken back to the old days of community fanzines, and it comes out monthly. It takes a look at what's happening in the Star Wars universe, really from a certain point of view, that kind of engages you as a reader and is also kind of a delight to the eyes because we've got multicolor layouts. Each one's a little bit different. You've got pieces that are coming in uh, from contributors all over the community. And also she's been able to snag a couple of really nice interviews. Um, I found this magazine full of surprises. I was very happy to come across this. She was part of the whole Tatooine Times Women of the Galaxy Week a little while ago. And there was also a great link in that piece to the Looking for Leia documentary. I'll put some of this into the show notes so you can kind of see this and kind of really appreciate it. But it really bears looking at, and I think after you kind of get through this conversation tonight, you'll really want to subscribe to the magazine, see it for yourself. It's kind of small. It comes in a very small envelope. Um, and when you kind of see it, you're going, man, it. there's a lot going into it, but it's not a lot, and it's really nice, and you can kind of get through it pretty fast. Um, but it doesn't feel like it's, Old. It has this, t- you know, timeliness feel to it that is very much in the now. But you could pick it up two or three months from now. You could pick up a year from now and still get a lot out of it. I really enjoyed it. And once again, I really hope you enjoy my conversation. Um, I want to get some homestead keeping items out of the way first, and we'll get to our conversation here after a bit. You can waste time with your friends when your chores are done. Now, come on, get to it. Okay, homestead keeping. These are odds and ends in the week in the world of Star Wars. Of course, we kind of let off with the Clone Wars finale on May the 4th and kind of mind-blowing and incredibly somber. Great way to end the series. I want to get my hats off to Dave Filoni and the entire crew. Uh, what a way to stick the landing, as it were. And I am really hoping that you get a chance to enjoy a lot of great podcast content out there that is dealing with the the end of it. And really, we're going to see over the next couple weeks, a lot of these shows are probably going to try to do these shows where they kind of, you know, kind of take the whole season you know, as a go and kind of give their thoughts on it. And I think it's probably good to kind of, you know, ingest all that and kind of with your own thoughts there, kind of see like, where does this all fit? You know, this this last season uh, in the Clone Wars as a whole, what did you think of it? And uh, did, did you like the ending? Did you not like the ending? Um, how does it all fit? What are all these Easter eggs? This is the time once we kind of get past a piece of content like this, whether it's a movie or TV show where, you know, we can kind of decompress and kind of go through and uh, once again, my hat's off to all the folks who are producing great uh, podcasts on there. And uh, I do, in the show notes, I do have a uh, long list of the uh, podcasts and links to that. Ones I'm listening to and ones that it's kind of a living document as these podcasts kind of come up on the radar. I'm hoping that uh, you get a chance to listen to some of that great content and enjoy it. And if you're a podcast producer, uh, my, hat's off, my hat's off to you because... These shows, especially those last two coming right on top of each other, boy, it was really tough to kind of, you know, some people like the Cantina cast, you know, they stayed up and uh, watched it and then produ- then did the podcast right after that. It's interesting. Sometimes these folks are doing like quick takes. Sometimes they kind of watch two or three times and they kind of do it. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that I deal with cards because uh, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot to produce those. And uh, I, I really appreciate the hard work they're doing. Um, also, if you notice that gallery series that just started on Disney Plus as well, kind of a nice pickup off that. 
that uh, goes into The Mandalorian. That first episode was was on the directors. It was amazing. I really liked, uh, you know, that John Favreau kind of got all the directors together and had this nice little round table. It's about a half hour. Um, I, I thought it was uh, kind of a nice. It gave me a lot, but it didn't necessarily, you know, make it like two or three hours worth. Um, so I, I really kind of enjoyed that, and it's going to be kind of fun because now we're post Clone Wars, right? And so we're kind of starved for content until we see something else. And of course, we're all still kind of stuck at home for the most part. So it is nice to get some fresh content on Disney Plus as well. As far as the cards are concerned, uh, we do have. I did announce earlier this week that we do have our 40th anniversary shows that are coming up a little later. The first one's going to be on Sunday, May 17th. Uh, more details as it kind of comes down, but I have one show already in the can and others I am producing for that. Um, obviously, we're looking at the 40th anniversary of the Empire Strikes Back release, um, and that actually did come on the 17th. There was this uh, pre-release before the main one that I do, do believe happened uh, over the Memorial Day weekend back in 1980. So this is kind of it's coming around. The Tops cards actually debut uh, er, in early June. Uh, but since we have so many shows into that, I kind of wanted to start that around that time to kind of uh, celebrate the 40th anniversary of The Empire Strikes Back. And I hope you like it. It was fun. Uh, I'm still producing some of those shows, still bringing people on. And it's been a real hoot. Um, it, it's it's just amazing that we're in 40 years of it. And speaking of which, I actually did get a, uh, it was a birthday that I had. I actually got a 40th anniversary Funko Lunchbox from Target, and I also put this link in the show notes as well. It was a really nice uh, yellow. It had a, a kind of a retro design to it. Kind of had the silhouette of Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker from Empire Strikes Back dueling. Um, although I will have to give it to the uh, to uh, my boy over at Left Coast Graphics, who uh, posted when I posted this on Instagram, uh, there was a bit of an error in the image in that Luke Skywalker's lightsaber is not necessarily deflecting. Darth Vader's in the silhouette. You, and so when you look at it, and you look at it again, it's like basically if that pose had actually happened, uh, Darth Vader would have cut him in half. So I, I will have to give it out. I was sort of like, oh yeah. And I, I think it's one of those that probably made it through and no one really thought about it until it was too late. And you kind of look like, yeah, if you're kind of looking at it like that, uh, yeah, there really wouldn't have been a Return of the Jedi if, uh, if that graphic was uh, true to form. But either way, it was a really cool lunchbox and probably one of the nicest $12 I have spent in the fandom in a long time. Um, some other things that came in this week, I did finally start getting into the 1980 Tops Empire Strikes Back giant photo cards. Uh, this was a release that happened at the same time as the, uh, the Empire Strikes Back sets. They were these 5 by 7 cards. They came one to a package. I did not pick them up at the time. I want to say they were 25, 30 cents when the packs themselves were about 25 cents. And so I never really got into them. I didn't really have a place for them. But I recently found a nice little score of, of some sealed ones. And I thought, um, let me just take a stab at these. I don't know whether I want to get the whole set because I think there were 25 or 30 of them. Um, but I did like how they came packaged. Uh, the fellow that I got them off of eBay put them into a comic back and board. Um, and I thought, bagged like that, I'm like, that's actually a good way to store the sealed cards because it's still kind of big. It's not something you can really store easily in, in a regular uh, tops card or, you know, sports card type, you know, containers. So I thought that was a nice way to do it. And you can just kind of keep it vertically with your comic books. I think that's probably the best way to store those. So kind of looking forward to, I may crack open one or two, uh, but keep the others sealed. I haven't quite decided what I wanted to do yet. Um, something else I got in this week, um, my friend James Tampa, who is an artist and we have uh, seen his work before at Joliet Star Wars Day, uh, released a very cool The Child pin, and I'll put a link to that in the uh, his Facebook page, which also has a link to his Etsy page in the uh, show notes. Uh, he did a really great pin last year for Joliet Star Wars Day. I think he does them annually. And he also does some really great artwork, uh, very much in the uh, Warner Brothers uh, Looney Tunes kind of vibe, but it was a really cool pin of The Child holding, holding the... Uh, the knob for the uh, control panel from the uh, the Razor Crest, and uh, I'll, I'll I haven't uh, you'll see me post it on Instagram, but I love his takes on stuff, and it's a lot of times when you're when you're getting pins like this, you're like, man, I gotta have it, and like I said, it's always nice to support local artists. Uh, he sent a nice autographed uh, card, one of his Joliet Star Wars Day cards, which was really cool. So really nice pin to add to the collection. Um, also this week we did a couple of live breaks of the Star Wars Rebels cards that I'd finally found and I've been holding on to for a long time. I was really, 
really wanting to open you know, open these up, but I do like breaking them. I know that uh, sometimes the breaks are a little haphazard, but sometimes just the schedule's not there for it. But it was fun. I did on Instagram Live, I did these uh, Pepsi cards. Uh, you've seen me show on the Instagram channel. Uh, these were Episode 1 cards that were released by Pepsi in Mexico, so they're in Spanish. These were really cool wide vision, but portrait wide vision cards. Um, and I got a bunch of those sealed off of uh, eBay, and so I was opening them up on Instagram. Really nice. I got about 60% of it. There were 96 cards in the set, and a lot of them, I think from like 85 to like 96, were all checklist cards. And even, uh, But the cool thing about these checklist cards is they were actually on the checklist itself. Instead of just seeing what the card was, you actually saw, saw a small picture of the card as well. And then there was one card checklist that actually had, there was like several different puzzles that were they were all like 12 card puzzles on this so kind of a unique checklist so I was really kind of happy to get some of those uh, even snagged some more of them because I just been kind of picking them up little by little as long as this guy was still selling them on eBay um, the Star Wars Rebels cards uh, are kind of hard to come by anymore and they tend to be rather expensive they were released in 2015 and th these particular ones I found off eBay were sealed and they were from these boxes I think that were released in places like Toys R Us, they were like three-card packs. And uh, it was fun to kind of go through them. I got nearly the whole set. So um, just very, very happy to go through finally. And then once you get them out, then you can get them into the binders. Stay on target. We're too close. Stay on target. All right, so let's get into our conversation with Kara DJ, and I will catch up with you after we're done. <laughs> First off, I did want to say uh, appreciate you coming on, and I almost feel like I'm taking a little bit of time away from the uh, from the work from from the zine. Can we start with telling me? Do you have anything planned for today, or do you take the weekends off, as it were? <laughs> that's a good question. I think honestly, I, especially now with everything that's going on in the world, I've been pretty much working every day, but because it's so fun it, it obviously doesn't feel like work but yeah so today I have a bunch of orders I have to pack and get ready to ship out on Monday and I'm really in the depths of working on the May issue so I have uh, I have to gather some more photos to use and draft some stuff and probably I've been watching a lot of behind the scenes stuff from Empire Strikes Back so I'm probably going to do more of that you know so it's a little bit every day pretty much I have a feeling that probably one of the things that, that probably was one of the biggest kind of come to Jesus moments was the post office, the mailing part of it. You probably really had to get up to speed quickly because I'm certain that it was great to, you know, get it off, you know, get this off the ground, get the subscriptions and so forth. But then it was sort of like now those Uline catalogs with all the packing material, like, I'm sure. How, how did how did that? I want to start, really start with that part because that is really that is a whole chunk of it that is far and away different from the rest of of putting this together. Yeah. So, do you mean like uh, in the current state of the world, or like in general at the beginning? <laughs> I would say in the beginning, but yeah, that does bring up a point of dealing with the post yeah. office now. Yeah. Well, basically, in the beginning, it started on such a small scale that it was just like just kind of like felt like sending a letter to my friend kind of thing, which it still feels like that just on a bigger scale. But um, so yeah, it was just like a, a couple envelopes at a time. Now it's become especially like, I usually try to send out the first Monday of the month, which is, it's good to have a routine in that way. But yeah, so at this point, I've started like actually buying stamps and individually stamping them. But you know, uh, it's, it's kind of tricky, because Sometimes international mail can be sort of weird, but it's nice because every month everyone's envelope weighs the same usually, so that makes it very easy. And um, and I know exactly how many I have and where they're going to. So yeah, it's it's definitely a process, and you kind of <laughs> just learn by doing it. I have one guy at my local post office who like kind of gets what I'm doing and and is really nice. So I try to go when he's there. So. Yeah, so it's it's kind of hit or miss. It's kind of like trial and error, but I've definitely got it down to a bit of a, a routine now, which is nice. How did that routine change over the last month, two months? Yeah, so I definitely, it's, it's hard because I, 
when before this, I would go to the post office like multiple times a week without even thinking about it. Like every time an order came in, I would pretty much go uh, to the post office that day or the next day, depending on uh, what time it was. Uh, but now I'm I'm trying to go only once or twice a week if I can help it, uh, because I also don't like sometimes I have a lot of stuff and I don't want to hold up a line. Uh, and I feel really bad about that. So there's probably like technology and things I could be doing to help me more, but I'm still kind of trying to figure that out. And yeah, so it's a little tricky, but I've basically just like chosen one or two days that I, that I go to the post office and try to do it all at once. Or, um, if I have like a lot of stuff, then maybe I'll go at two different times during the day. Or I'll go to two different post offices. It's kind of just every time is different at this point. I'm trying to put a little more of a schedule to it just because I think it'll make me feel better. <laughs> so I was going to say, at what at what point is uh, the stamps.com people sending a cease and desist letter to you saying, please stop exactly. bothering us for sponsorship <laughs> uh, efforts? Yeah, right. Something like that. <laughs> so can you tell me a bit of the genesis of... Um, into a larger world and, and how you how you came up with the idea to sort of resurrect uh, this particular version of the of the classic fanzine. Sure. So it all it all started. It all <laughs> it all started. It all started when I I decided to go to celebration in Chicago last April. Um, by the time I decided to go, there was no tickets left. So I applied to work there, which I was chosen to work there. Um, so that was how I got to Celebration, which actually ended up being, it was, it was a lot of very hard work, but it was, uh, it was kind of amazing. And I, at that time, I didn't have any Star Wars friends yet. I didn't really know anyone that was going to be there besides a couple people that I was just a fan of. So... It was kind of, it was good to have the, the work because like I talked to people while I ran the line and that kind of thing. I was in the store. Anyway, so um, when I decided I was going to Celebration Chicago, I started reading a lot and um, listening to a lot of podcasts and, uh, talking about Celebration and a lot of people were talking about uh, trades and how a lot of people bring things to trade like stickers or pins or all that different stuff. And I was like, oh man, because I'm, I've been a collage artist for like most of my life. And I had thought about making zines before, but I hadn't really made one yet. So um, when I saw that people trade stuff, I was like, I have to bring something to trade. So I threw together this little tiny pocket zine um, that was just, it didn't really have any words. It was mostly visual and it had like one page per character all original trilogy characters, just a cute little like tiny thing you could fit in your pocket. So I went to the library, I printed 50 of them. Um, I folded them and brought it with me. And I just, I passed them out. I passed it out to people I met. I passed it out to people whose cosplay I liked. And, and it was just so much fun. And then after celebration um, was when I really started to, to spiral deeper into fandom <laughs> <laughs> in a good way. And, um, Spiraling is a good I, word for it. <laughs> isn't it though? And, and yeah, so I had, I didn't know honestly a lot about fanzine history at that point, but I knew that it was a, a thing. <laughs> and so I was like, is that something that I could do? And I don't even know what I was thinking at the time. I definitely didn't envision being where it is now, but yeah, so I just made my first issue, Pilots and Co-Pilots of the Millennium Falcon, and it was just um, just general info, kind of following the ship through its history, uh, through each uh, trilogy and each movie, and it was so much fun that I was like, well, I'm just going to start doing this every month, and I'm, I'm really grateful to I listened to the podcast Blast Points which I highly highly mm. highly 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 recommend. It's a good show. And we have a Facebook group called the the Super Star Wars Super Live Chill Group something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just the best it's the best place on the internet. And uh so I posted about it there and that was how I got a couple of my first subscribers um and yeah, it kind of just went from there and uh, just from sending it to people and them sharing it and then um, 
meeting more people and, and kind of like that. And yeah, so now it's just like a monthly, a monthly deal and it's, it's the best. It's like the, the best thing in my whole world. So how did you feel about some of those early reactions? Um, you know, there's probably, you know, like I think in this particular, you know, era, there is that instant, you know, like if we're on, on Twitter or Instagram or whatnot, mm-hmm. Facebook groups, or whatnot, there's, there's an instant hit. But then I think there had to be, you know, as some of these going are going out and people are reacting to them, you know, giving you back feedback, it's sort of a long tail. What was that? Some of those first uh, reactions that got back from some of the content you were putting out? Yeah, I mean, it seemed like it's still nerve wracking to send out the issue because you have to wait so long for the reaction. (laughs) So that is always every month. I'm like, I I mail it out and then I just go sit at home like, oh, God, whatever. (laughs) But, but yeah, I mean, the first reactions were, it was all just really, really positive, just, I think, because it's such a a positive thing, like, and it's also, I mean, not to, like, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to say that it's unique, but I do think it is uh, rare to have, like, a physical thing that goes out every month, so I think that was kind of just, just uh, something cool that people weren't really, like, used to I guess right um, so and then they just were like intrigued by it and um and yeah I mean it was it was really nice I think the first three issues were kind of like a lot of growing pains but um just trying to figure out exactly what it was but then by issue four was when it kind of really took off so yeah it, it was just it's it was really fun to see people get it and like it and and look forward to the next issue it was awesome one of the things that you pick up right away and you were talking about, you know, in in doing layouts is it really strikes you. There there is a there's a hand spun aspect to this where, you know, these pages will be a lot of these a lot of the a lot of the text is handwritten. Some of it's in different type, but there is a great thought and I, I in the four issues that I had I don't think I really saw too many pages that looked like each other. They seem to be their own unique thing, but they do kind of tie back together. Um, can you talk about your experience in doing layouts? Yeah, so I don't do anything um, digitally. So everything uh, with the zine is analog. So basically, um, I will print out the pictures or the text that I want, and then I use different uh, textures and colors of paper and sometimes magazine and and that kind of thing. And I I physically put it together on a piece of paper with glue and scissors. And I I rip a lot of paper. That's like something I really do a lot in my art. I love to rip paper. Anyway, so everything is done on paper and then scanned. And then there's copies printed of the scans. But I don't do any like digital layouts or anything like that. I do think that's really cool, but I just (laughs) don't have that skill set. (laughs) Um, so, so yeah, so I do kind of try to give it a bit of a, a story going through. So it all is kind of similar, but, um, but yeah, I like that idea of kind of, uh, kind of the hodgepodge, uh, scrapbook. It's a lot like a scrapbook, which I have a lot of history with scrapbooking and art journaling throughout my life. So I think a lot of it comes from there. One nice thing that that you'll pick up on, and when you're talking about you know copy from a copy, and I, I do have some, you know, print layout experience. I know that the tricky part is when you are having you know copy of a copy, um, you can deal with resolution loss. And I think sometimes when I'm seeing the colors in this, one, it'd be interesting to see the originals. Ha, ha, but um, <laughs> I like the fact the choice of colors because it does still pop. Uh, and it, you know, it, it, you don't really seem like it would be. Oh wow, you know, you do. It's, it does look like it's digital, um, even though it looks analog. So it looks like there's a lot of, you know, it, and I think in some cases, you know, it's in doing it analog like that, it's very simple. You know, it, it's a, it's an interesting trick, but then you don't have to kind of make it seem like it's this yeah. random. You're just, you know, it, you know, in ripping the paper and you get the certain size, and then, you know, when you see like. You know, in some of these pages where you're handwriting this and you have to, it looks like you're like, well, I, if I don't do this, I'm going to run out of room. <laughs> yeah, so there's that, in, yeah. <laughs> so there's that, con, you know, creativity from constraint that I think really plays into this. And you only have a certain sure. number of pages. 
also true. Um, what was the, you know, like in the number of, of pages that you're putting together, um, was this a conscious decision, a cost? How did it play into how big to make the zine? That's a good question too. Um, I think it started with just like, uh, not, not being sure what it was yet. So it was only, uh, the the four sheets or one two three four five six seven eight <laughs> pages <laughs> so it was uh the first three issues were eight pages um and that was just yeah just trying to figure out what it was and then when I got to the fourth issue was when I added another sheet and it got to 12 pages and then that became my minimum it was definitely at first just like trying to figure it out but then it became like so much better to have the 12 page the, the eight pages uh the, the 12 pages sorry so that you could um fit more in there and then it was like I can't imagine doing it less than 12 pages now um <laughs> and then now I do a couple that are 16 pages which is uh intense but it's it's great and yeah so when I'm laying out the idea for the issue I will go based on how many pages I'm gonna have and how many contributions I have from other people and what I want to get in there, plus what I have in pretty much every issue, uh, that kind of thing. But yeah, and then cost does play into it a little bit. I have been like so insanely, I can't even express like how blessed I've been in that in that realm. Because uh, my local library is where I printed the zine for um, most of the time. Until recently, I printed at my local library because it's only five cents a page, which is like... Wow. In, insanely, like, so, so lucky that that was how it was. So I was able to do it that way uh, for most of the time. Now that we're at, now that I have this many subscribers and now that I sometimes do 16 pages, uh, the, I mean, the libraries aren't open now anyway, but even if they were, it wouldn't really be feasible. Uh, you do get some dirty looks and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're holding up the, the printer too much. So I do order from a print shop now, but... It's a small shop, which I love supporting the small local business. And I, I know the guy who runs the shop. And uh, he also makes all of my collage prints. And everything they do is just really good quality. So, um, so yeah, it's a little bit of cost. But then also it was just about being able to fit as much as I wanted to in there. You know, uh, that was that's another part of it for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, I was just thinking about, you know, like we're all, we all been at the, uh, the checkout counter and, you know, your, your life or your time or your news weeks, uh, come up with these special editions. You probably go past and go, I hate you people. You know, it's like, how did you, <laughs> how did you gather up all this extra stuff? How did you have time to do this? Um, t take me through, uh, um, just if I go through a random issue or layout, what's the decision, how, what goes into decision to, as far as like the type and the typeface? or how much content goes on any particular page. Tricky. That's, yeah, I mean, I think it's so different every time. Like, I'm trying to think. Like, so, for example, like, I have a, an issue that was all about Kylo Ren. This is obviously pre-Rise uh, of Skywalker. This came out in September of 2019. Um, so what I did for him was I I did... Uh, what, pretty much towards the end, I ended up doing one page per sequel trilogy movie. And then, so I knew I only had room to do one page per movie. So then I would just decide, like, uh, what were the... I, I rewatched everything and read a bunch of stuff and then uh, kind of picked out what interested me the most and also what I thought was most... Um, what I thought was most important going into episode nine. So... Uh, and then episode nine's page, because it obviously wasn't out yet, was just kind of speculation. Although I don't like to speculate in the zine. I don't like to do rumors <laughs> in the zine. Um, I, I don't really even like to talk about news that isn't officially confirmed yet. That's just me. I think there's a lot of places online you could go for that. But for me, I like to just kind of stick with what's, like, confirmed. And I think I forget who it is that says speculate responsibly, but I try to speculate <laughs> responsibly. Um, so what I did instead for that was I just... Uh, said like literally what every f like frame that we had seen of him in episode nine up to that point um and then what i thought might be important and blah 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 so uh so yeah it's kind of like that like with the obi-wan issue i knew i wanted to do that one ended up being 16 pages because it was my 10th issue so it was a little special and so that one i did a page for every uh movie that obi-wan is in 
And then I did a page for Clone Wars. And then I had a double page because I was able to ask James Arnold Taylor a couple questions. So it's kind of like that. Like, I know who, like, for, for the issue coming up, I know who is submitting things to me uh, for Empire Strikes Back to talk about that and who's, who gave me art. And then also I've been kind of figuring out if I wanted to go by place or if I wanted to go by character. So I'm still kind of messing with it, but um, it can also kind of change up until like the very last minute. <laughs> but yeah, and then as far as the typeface, I do like to handwrite the most um, if possible. I usually try to have typeface for things that other people have written and submitted to me. And then if it's my own words, I usually try to handwrite it. I do have, I have good handwriting. I always have my whole life. So, um, and then, and then I like to mess around with that. And then for usually the titles on the page, I like to use a different like funky font or something like that. Sometimes I like to do, um, letters found in magazines, like the kind of ransom note style. I do that a lot too. Um, yeah. So I use a, I use a font website and kind of just like piece it all together that way. That's in- incredible. And I think the, 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 the listener probably just you know spit out some coffee when you just kind of glided over the fact that you got to interview James Arnold Taylor. Oh, yeah. How did you well, snag I don't, that? I don't want to call it an interview. I call it more of a Q&A because basically I just emailed and, and asked if I could ask him a couple questions. He has like a business email and then his business uh, manager responded and said, sure, send the questions. And then they sent the answers. And I was, I'm still surprised. I'm still like in kind of in shock that because I, as soon as I, they said like yes, I was like, okay, I'll send the <laughs> questions, but I'm not gonna expect to get the answers. And like, if they don't, it's fine. Like, it's totally cool. And then they sent they sent the answers back, and it was like, well, okay, that's uh, <laughs> that's what that is. It was amazing. It was really really cool. It's just I wanted to have that touch in the. I love Obi Wan the character so much, and I just wanted to have that touch of someone who who has spent so much time with that character. Like that was just really important to me. And that was like, uh, that was just the, it it brought the whole issue together. You know, it really did. And I've just, I don't know, like, again, how blessed, like I can't even, yeah, I'm just so, so thankful. (laughs) And on that, I think that that played perfect because when, um, when you're talking about the content, like this wasn't a long expose, this was two or three questions you know, it was through email and, you know, it's the perfect thing for someone goes, you know, I can engage, you know, it's almost like, a, a, you know, like responding to a few Instagram quotes, although he does, uh, he did actually give you some nice content there. Yeah. And so I think that was really perfect and kind of played in, you know, he does, he does engage. You'll hear him, you know, on occasion on podcasts, you know, whether it's Coffee with Kenobi or Rebel Force Radio. So that, that, and that's a nice coup. And I think that does you know, the, fir- the first or second time you get one of those, you kind of go, wow, this, you know, I'm, I'm kind of out there. I've got, I've got my, you know, I've got my mark, I, you know, I made my dent in the universe. Um, yeah. I like to just like shoot, shoot my shot sometimes. And, and my, my dad always used to say when I was a kid, like the worst thing they can say is no. And then, or not respond. And then it's like, okay, no problem. Like, you know, so <laughs> I think it's good to put yourself out there sometimes and just see what happens. And that was just really uh, lucky. So yeah. One thing that makes it in this, and I would recommend for those, um, even if you don't want to subscribe, I think going back to the March issue on Obi-Wan is great. Like you said, it was a larger size, but um, one thing that really uh, drew me in uh, was that cover, Sean's cover, um, yes. that you want to talk about, you know, just sort of the, this carrying this um, shot, and it's it's Obi-Wan holding, you know, one of the twins, and I like it that I don't really know which one it is. You know, it's kind of like let the reader <laughs> yeah. decide who, who he's holding. Um, but I, I actually did reach out to, uh, Sean on Instagram and, uh, I won't try to say his last name. Even he says like, most people don't get my last name anyway. Um, <laughs> I think he's the, at the elusive Sean, uh, S H A U N on Instagram, but, uh, what an incredible cover. I love the purple in that. And it really, it just really made it. And I think, you know, that whole issue is basically a love letter, literally a love letter to Obi-Wan, but there are tons of Obi-Wan fans out there. And, you know, we see all different shots of, you know, there's shots of Ewan McGregor. There is, you know, shots of, uh, the, was it the Tartakovsky Obi-Wan? There's Clone Wars, uh, James Arnold Taylor. And then you have, um, I really love the, the little portraits. And it was this uh, Aaron Florian. 
Yeah, Aaron Florian. Yeah. Uh, who did the little character, little cartoonish ones that take you know as all the all the different ways we see Obi Wan just in head form. Um, <laughs> And I did have to, I, there was also like, what's on Obi-Wan's iPod. Very clever. Cause you, if you, <laughs> you, what, what the, what the reader, what the listener may not know is there are some QR codes in each issue, which I think is brilliant because there's a little bit of interactivity. It kind of brings it in more of a modern going, Hey, you know, throw your, you know, throw your camera over there, take that QR code. And, and sure enough, there was a Spotify playlist. There was yep. waiting with all these random, <laughs> random ones. Uh, and you also see it. So, uh, yeah, it, deep cut with the Wichita lineman by Glenn Campbell on that. Uh, I heard that song on my shuffle, and I was like, <laughs> "This song is so Obi Wan." I don't know. Why. <laughs> I, I believe you're probably the only person that's probably ever said that, but I'm gonna. You, you totally own it. So, uh, so that that's <laughs> awesome. But yeah, I think, and that's the thing that gives you, you know, like once again, the beauty of this is these these little quick takes. And going back to you know the rise of Skywalker and going into the January one, I absolutely love this cover because one thing it lets you do, and I think fan, this goes into fandom in general. It's like we're very we're very quick. We're very you know like get us ask us for a hot take on something, and boy do we have an opinion. <laughs> and in some cases, you know, it may take some time to kind of sit back and think. And um, you know, I loved in and uh, I'll go. I'll refer back to. You know, a conversation I had at uh, Steam into Star Wars uh, in talking to Diz- Dan Zare from Coffee with Kenobi, talking about, like, I don't mind a a take or an opinion that doesn't agree with me as long as it's well thought out. And yeah. one of the things that goes back to your Rise of Skywalker reaction was you have this where it says, I've got it, and then there's a blank, and it says underline act- adjective, feeling about this. So, so one, it kind of lures the reader in going, well, I don't, you, you don't quite know how I feel about it yet. And then when you go into your reaction, what I love is there's, it's a two page, it's all text, but you do give some time to, this is what I think about the movie. And if you want to get, if you want to kind of read on and read through this, you can kind of see how my, you know, my my reaction or how my my thought process on this. And there's no really other form if we're going to do, you know, blogs. and, And at this point, you know, I have a site where I put my show notes and so forth, but it's not necessarily... Um, I haven't geared it yet towards like a destination site like I should, but this is a perfect way to go. Yeah, I could go on Twitter or I could do, you know, Twitter like one of 12, like who who reads all 12 things, you know, the, the, in the stream of consciousness. But it does like, look, I'm going to commit this to paper. You know, I'm going to own it, but I'm going to, you know, if you get through, you'll see where I'm coming from. You don't have to agree with me, but I really liked that, you know, that there is this place for, I have an opinion for it and I can take some time to, to dedicate to kind of let you know and then you go from there totally i mean that issue was probably the hardest one to make not to be like over dramatic but it was it was hard it was uh i didn't know what i don't i don't want to like get super into it but like i didn't i didn't know what i felt about episode nine after i saw it and then like i saw other people's reactions and it's not that they were influencing my reaction but it was making me see everything in a different way and I, I kind of wanted to capture that in the issue so like I wrote my two-page thing which is basically just like an existential crisis and then, <laughs> and then the rest of it I was like I just want to write that and then I want the rest of it to be what my friends are saying and what people I respect are saying and what people who sent things into me are saying like and I have every different opinion in there and like I I just wanted to I, I don't ever like to be negative in the zine and that's just me I I I know that like there's definitely things to be negative about, um, but I don't like to do that. I want my zine to kind of be a place you can escape that stuff. Cause like, you know, our internet world, like you couldn't pay me to be on Twitter. I am not on Twitter. <laughs> I will never be on Twitter. Not interested. I think there's a lot of good stuff on Twitter, but like, I'm just, I just can't do it. It, it really like isn't fun for me. So I kind of want my zine to be a place that you can sort of like, escape the comment sections um and I do want to be like realistic and I do want to be honest with how I feel but also like I just don't I just want it to be a place where you can get away from that because I know that it can be there's a lot of good there there's a lot of bad there and I know that it can be really uh mentally taxing so it's like I want the zine to be something kind of separate from that and it's not like it's a fantasy land where everything is great everything is great but it's like it's kind of that feeling of like, let's just look at what's what we love. 
let's sell like celebrate the love, you know? <laughs> exactly. Well, no. And I think when you see, you know, in, in a lot of the rest of, the, of that particular issue, you see, you know, people's comments. And I love the fact that, you know, you have the people own them like that's That's my comment. And here's where you can find me. But it does give this, you know, broad spectrum of opinion. And it's fine to be, like I said, I think it's quite fine to not like something. I think there's plenty of content out there that people can love certain things and hate certain things. And that's okay. You know, you, you know, there's, there's plenty for all of us where, you know, and I think a lot of folks don't, don't realize it's like, as, as there are more, more Star Wars, it is kind of hard to love unequivocally everything. You know, you're going to have certain things you either glean to because that's what I was when I grew up. But, you know, I, I think it's also too important that you promote in here going, it's fine to have that take own it. This is not, you know, this is not anonymous content uh, or I'm not just here to, you know, fight the fire to make something, you know, page turning, but it does give you time to pause and, and think. I, I, I like that you Ben Solo eulogy uh, in there as well. Michelle, she's great. Uh, yeah, the and, and the that kind of goes into some of the contributions that you have gotten from other folks. And can you kind of go into how that has evolved? I, I know so many super talented artists, which has been really fun, like uh, Sean and Aaron and um, and Juan is going to be in this next issue. And um, and I'm sure that I'm forgetting Hodag RPG on Instagram has been in there. Uh, I'm definitely forgetting other people. But um, yeah, so basically, if I if I know an artist that I have been following and that I'm friends with or that I talk to, then I'll usually ask them for a submission. But then sometimes like I know a lot of people have have been reaching out also for the next couple issues to um, just say like, basically people will just say like, I'm really interested in writing something for the zine. And I'm like, great, let's do it. Cause I love that. <laughs> I think it's so much fun to have other people's viewpoints in there and, and to have other people's work in there. And uh, if there's something specific you really want to talk about, the only thing that sometimes holds it up is like, for this next issue, it's all Empire Strikes Back for the 40th anniversary. So any other contributions will probably have to wait till June or July just because it's like a specifically themed issue, which I don't do very often. Um, well, it depends. It's like every couple months. So, um, so yeah, so I kind of just, uh, I see what they're interested in, what they're interested in writing about. And then usually they'll come to me with an idea. Sometimes it's tricky to figure out the spacing just because it is such a limited amount of space. So I don't want to um take anything too long because then the font will be too small and then that's a whole thing so it does sometimes require a little bit of editing a little bit of figuring it out but um but yeah it's so much so so much fun to have other people uh in there uh i love uh i love that that element of it and i definitely want to keep doing that moving forward because like i i always have stuff to say but it's also <laughs> like i you know but sometimes i'm like sometimes i have to work on commissions and then that will kind of take some time away from the zine so that I love to have contributions in the next month because then I can kind of um, lean on that a little bit to give me more time for the commissions. But, um, and I, that's kind of how I've always envisioned the zine being since the beginning is like, and that's kind of how fanzines always have been in history is like, it's, uh, it's a lot of different stuff from different people all put into one place. So yeah, I do really, really like that a lot. Have you found, um, any recurring segments that you either had planned that didn't really pan out or the opposite, oh, this is something I can, I can do monthly? Uh, or do you even entertain the thought of recurring segments? Good question. Uh, I don't, I don't, there's nothing that I do every single month only because of those um, themed issues where sometimes it won't fit. So the only thing I do every single month without fail is a letter from me um, on the first page. So that's always going to be in every issue, just kind of me introducing it, giving a little talk, sometimes talking about the contributors, um, talking about the theme, sometimes talking about what's going on in the world, sometimes talking about what's going on in Star Wars. I know I love, uh, I think my letter for issue three, I was just freaking out because Sith <laughs> Troopers had just been revealed. <laughs> And I was like, what is a Sith trooper? So anyway, um, so it's fun as like a time capsule in that way too. So besides that, the only other thing I do pretty regularly is a news page. And that's really hard for a physical um, document that I send out. Like it's as opposed to like a blog or a YouTube channel because 
obviously news comes so fast and also changes a lot. So I do still like to do it when I don't have a themed issue. If it's a themed issue, then I won't do a news page. But um, so I do like to do that, though, be just because I think it's so fun as a time capsule. Like if you go back to issue like five and look at the news page, it's probably going to be almost like funny at this point or five or six, you know, because it's like so old now. Um, so I do like that element. And then the other thing I've started doing regularly that is really fun is I call it, what do I call it? Into a larger world at large. And it's like, because the, the thing that started happening is like people send me pictures of their zines with action figures, which I'm just like, I am obsessed with it. I think it's the best thing. I have multiple friends who do that. Consuming Star Wars uh, is an Instagram Right. My friend Mitchell in Australia, and he also has an Instagram mall in the Porgs where he he does the, the he's doing this whole series of Darth Maul like and these little Porgs together and they go on these adventures. And oh, my God, I love it so much. And then <laughs> my friend Jen in uh, Washington, she uh, Jen plays with toys on Instagram. She does amazing work with her action figures. And uh, I don't know if they're called action figures or if I'm saying something like taboo <laughs> say that it's just because I don't know anything. But they're the hot hot toys, I think, or Black Series, one of those. But um, but she like makes living rooms for them, and it's like so cool. But then she has stuff with the zine that she's done, and like so cool. So I wanted a way to put that in there, and also to sneak in a couple of reviews or a couple of quotes of people talking about the zine. Um, so and also because I take a lot of uh, if I go to an event and there's cosplayers or five hundred first members or Mercs, Mandalorian Mercs, I try to get a picture of them reading the zine because it's just like my favorite thing. So um, uh, I've started to put those in there. So yeah, that's probably the one that'll definitely recur forever unless it's a themed issue. Because I, if it's a themed issue, I like to really dedicate it front to back to that theme. Um, but yeah, I like having those little ones that will go throughout. I did another series about collectors. Um, I think it was an issue, oh, nine, uh, February. It was February 2020, um, and I yes. had a couple of my friends in there, and I definitely want to bring that back. I'm so fascinated by collectors, and I, I don't know anything about anything, but I think that's why I like it is because, like, I know how much – I know you're a card person. I was right? going to say I have a podcast I recommend if you want to listen <laughs> more about collecting. Shameless plug. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so I, I'm so fascinated by, like, the world of collecting, but I'm also, like – an absolute like I know nothing but that's like fun um so I like doing that and I'm definitely gonna end up doing that again this summer just because I love like reaching out to people and being like tell me about your stuff and and what you like and uh yeah and then I want to talk about it you know that's like my <laughs> well I know that you know uh, periodically on my computer I I, I get you know, I have files that when I'm putting together a podcast, I've got, you know, podcast artwork files and so forth that I've got to clean up. But in your case, where everything's physical, uh, the workspace probably also has evolved, especially with this. Can you talk about how you, you know, how you put this together and, you know, how, how have you managed all this stuff to either catalog it, you know, and, and try to not to keep it going, you know, from it consuming your, your, your living space? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's an ongoing process. It's a mess. It's <laughs> sometimes I'll post on Instagram a picture of my workspace before I clean it and then after I clean it because it's like it's like a like a tornado hit it basically. I'm I've been trying like more and more things to get it to be a little bit more organized, but it's like because I'm shipping out of there, I'm uh, I do my collage prints there and then I also do the zine there and then I also have like other art that's not Star Wars that I do sometimes a little bit not as much as anything else so uh yeah so it's kind of like uh it, it evolves a lot um usually when I'm making the zine it'll get so insanely messy then I'll clean it and then it'll get messy again and then <laughs> I'll clean it. but I have one room in my house my dining room which is kind of like an art studio quote unquote uh, so that's really where everything is based and it's just like a set of drawers and a table with a bunch of boxes on it 
it's it's not a perfect science. I really need to do more work on that in that respect. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of just this one little space, and, and nothing really leaves that little space, mainly because I'll lose it. You know, I'll just lose things. So uh, so I try to keep it in that one room so that I know if I lose something, then I know it's in that room, basically. In 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 looking in the in the Tatooine Times article, you know, the origins for that and uh, what you ended up having to do for that. Yeah, uh, Ross was with Tatooine Times, and he um, reached out to me about writing something for their Women of the Galaxy series that they did, which was so, so cool. Um, so yeah, it was just like a little chance to write something about the zine and, and my history, kind of what we basically what we've talked about so far today. And and yeah, so that was really cool, and uh, I love doing stuff like that. It's, it's so uh, fun, and especially stuff that highlights women in the fandom I love. And I love talking about looking for Leia, of course. Um, so that was cool to kind of mix that in a little bit as well. Um, yeah, and then they made that awesome head. I think it was Ross made that awesome header of the page that was like a collage of my collages, which was like the coolest thing ever. Um, and I'm like obsessed with that. So that was really cool too. Uh, yeah. And uh, and it was fun to write. It's, it's fun to talk about like the history of the zine, mainly just because... Like, I know I, I sound like a broken record, but like, I'm just so thankful for where it is now. So it's like, yeah, in, in giving a few minutes to, to that, um, you know, in, you know, there's a great link in that article to, uh, to the episode. And, and when you, you know, it, it's also something I never realized and, you know, in growing up just how many people were doing it, how it was, you know, dominated by, by women at that point and how much, you know, literature and how much was produced. And when you see them, you know, going back to the archives, how thick and dense those issues were. You can really see the passion that was put into those. That just really had to be striking and also inspiring. It, it was, uh, I mean, I mean, being involved in looking for Leia, even in just the small, small part that I was, was like just the coolest thing that's like ever happened to date. It's like top three, a couple cool things have happened. That's like number two two or one or two of like the top three coolest things ever but my friend uh, Alyssa who was the art director for Looking for Leia she saw my zines through someone else posting them on Instagram but also because I think I had sent them to the director Annalise and they had kind of talked about it and they were just looking for artists to bring onto the roster for the episodes and they asked if I wanted to be involved in the in the fanzine episode and I was like what like oh my god like <laughs> I can't, I was so excited. It's, it was seriously so amazing. So yeah, they gave me the pictures that they were looking to use and then I collaged them physically. Um, and then they did all the fancy, really cool digital stuff with it <laughs> because again, I don't have the, that skill set. So I literally like physically collaged it in the style that I do. And then they made it digital so you can kind of see it in the background. But my favorite, um, is the very, very last frame of the episode is where they have like the text that, um, just says like a little bit about where fanzines are today and that kind of thing and, and fan fiction stuff. And it's in like a frame with a little Leia standing there. And that is like a hundred percent analog what I made. And like seeing that on screen was like so amazing. The first time I saw the episode, they emailed it to me and I, I just like cried in my car. It was like the best, but honestly, I didn't know a lot about fanzine history up to that point either. And it was, uh, it was incredible. I, it, I didn't, I knew a little, um, because Blast Points did a really good episode on it, which they were actually helped by Annalise, Annalise from Looking for Leia. So it was kind of like full circle. But um, yeah, just like to to see the images that they sent me and, and they want I used all of uh, I used a lot of the fanzines in the art. And they um, so they sent me a bunch to, to like look at and stuff. And it's just it's so, so cool. That, that because this is pre-internet, so that's kind of the way that people shared their opinions and shared their fan theories, and and then obviously fan fiction, which I'm not super into fan fiction, but I do think that it's like very very cool and very admirable, um, and that was kind of how they all shared that was through these printed things, and it really like like it it I was already so excited about making my zine, but it really like inspired me at a level that. I wasn't even expecting. And uh, it's so cool that there were so many fanzines back then. I don't I don't think that there's many now, at least for Star Wars. I haven't 
really found many in my research. I don't think I'm by any means the only person doing it, but like, I, I just love that it was like a community at that time. And like, uh, the different zines had different viewpoints and, uh, you know, talking about different things. And yeah, it was so cool to see all that. And then to be involved with that episode, which is chronicling all of that, it was just, it was awesome. So, so cool. Yeah, that was going to be one of my next questions. You almost have to you feel in some cases like Obi-Wan going, well, there's not many of us left out there. That's, that's horrible, James. <laughs> um, but yeah, you have to figure that there's enough of a fandom out there that there likely is, in some form, other fanzines out there. And, right. you know, unfortunately, you know, one of the things that I was, when I kind of got back when I was reading some of these, it reminded me back at a time growing up where magazines were it for us. You know, obviously no right. internet. And, you know, that's how I found out about convention calendars. You know, that's how I found my community was looking through here and going, oh, hey, there's this thing that's coming up and also school and, oh, I can send away for this. And so, you know, these played a critical role at that time. And I think with with this, is it's it's still filling a, uh, filling a role of, you know, it, it just, there's these, you know, like you said, it's not, there's a timeliness to it. So there's not that instant, but there is a way to kind of go back and, Oh yeah, let me. I want to go back and yeah, I love that episode or I love that character, and now I can kind of see it. And it's another way to discover. You know, I, I like putting the the accounts out there, whether it's an Instagram or Twitter or web page. And it was fun. You know, like I said, it was fun to a little back and forth with Sean, going, "Hey, you know, that this was really nice," and and uh, it was kind of fun. So there's a lot when you're getting into this that you can take, but you can kind of go back to and say, "I want to kind of see that." Or now looking back you know, a little bit, you know, I can kind of, you know, take that a, a different way. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was kind of wondering if you had, if you had found any other zines and, and, and um, reached out to them at all. Well, the zine community in general, just like zine makers, there are so many people making zines in general right now. I have a lot of friends that I've met that are zine creators um in different countries actually and stuff but there are so so many zines in the world um some of them monthly some of them uh just special some of them comic art some of them uh, text it's like a it's a huge 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 community that makes zines um which is awesome and but as far as like star wars zines i mean i i haven't come across any uh i will keep looking um, but I, I, yeah, I haven't really found anybody making a Star Wars fanzine right now. I have a friend who did a couple, um, zines of one of their fan fictions, but yeah, I haven't really found, I, I also haven't, like, I, it's not that I haven't looked, but like, I guess I've just been like hoping to find it organically. Like we would like meet in the <laughs> universe, but, but yeah, I mean, I haven't seen much lately, but there is a lot of people that do like art of of theirs in in a zine you know and i i think i've yeah it's kind of um but the zine community as a whole globally is like insanely huge and there's so much there to discover which is really fun poetry is really huge in zines a lot of political zines a lot of comic art zines uh there's so much to find there so that's kind of been fun too is getting into that even though it might not be directly star wars related just getting into um zines in general just because it's like the creativity is like is is really out of this world so that's really cool if someone wants to um first off, we'll do a couple of things if someone wants to find the zine find you uh, how is the best what is the best way to find and to get a hold of this definitely find me on instagram um sacred something by cara is my handle uh cara with a k sacred something by cara and that's the best way to find me. It's really kind of my only online presence because I don't really do Twitter um, or anything like that. So definitely Instagram. And then I have a link in my bio on Instagram where I use I, I use Google Forms to do my orders. And then um, I'll send an email to you and we kind of like figured out that way. So yeah, Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. <laughs> and if somebody wants to contribute Best practices, how does someone do that, and what are your suggestions? Sure. So um, I would say, yeah, if you're looking to contribute, that's awesome. Definitely either a direct message on Instagram, or you can email me, sacredsomethingbycara at gmail.com. And, uh, and yeah, we could just talk. It depends on what time of the year it is, what month is coming up, what issue is coming up, 
and that kind of thing. But I always am going to have space at some point in the near future for sure. So it's, yeah. Uh, and then we can just kind of talk about your idea and go from there. Excellent. I, I think it's interesting that, you know, like I said, it's in, in sort of a long form to go, you know, I'm going to put this in and I'm going to wait a while. And there's this really, it's nice because it's kind of a payoff at the end uh, because it's going to go through your submission and then, you know, potentially your, your take on it. And so what, what may come out may be something, you know, like, wow, it's so it's, it's an, like, it's an interesting process. For um, sure. And it's a great, once again, it's a kind of a great way to take some of the strengths of social media and, you know, the instant interaction and blend it into something that is a little more long form, that is a little more, uh, ha- has a little more of a shelf life to it. And, and unfortunately, much like a podcast, when you are doing a continuing periodical of any time, you've committed yourself now to doing this monthly for probably the rest of your life. Am I right? <laughs> so, yep, but. Ha- have, have you thought about, you know, like, oh, gosh, I guess I got to keep doing this, right? <laughs> well, I mean, the good thing about Star Wars is that it never ends, right? So um, <laughs> there's always going to be something to talk about. And even if they did stop tomorrow and never made anything else, we could go back and talk about the old stuff for the next 50 years. So that's that's the good thing about Star Wars in general. But, yeah, because it's like you kind of look at it like, what's coming next and then like obviously now we're getting through clone wars so i'm sure i'm going to talk a ton about that when that's over and then also we'll have the mandalorian we have the behind the scenes series coming out and then season two and then the cassian thing's going to happen and then kenobi's going to happen and blah 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 so it's like uh so yeah it's always just like looking forward to what's going to come next that's going to be exciting to talk about which is definitely the same as a podcast obviously too but then also i love like during all of my rewatches or uh, talking to people and and stuff and listening to other podcasts and and stuff is just like finding something that I like and then I'll be like oh I could zine about that like oh what was it something came up recently that I was like oh somebody we were talking I think uh, we did a group watch of the Phantom Menace and somebody said did do you think Shmi has the force and I was like I want to make a zine about that <laughs> so it's like that kind of thing where I'm just like I could make an entire zine about that. And then also there's character. I love doing uh, issues just about one character, like the Obi-Wan one. Like, I know I would love to do Lando someday. I would love to do uh, Leia someday. I I would love to do uh, stuff like that. So it's like there's always somebody you can do, like, a really big deep dive on. Uh, So that's really cool, too. So, yeah, definitely there's a lot to do. (laughs) But it's like it doesn't really – I don't find it daunting. I find it exciting. I think I think you've also got a new hashtag. I can zine that. I think that is the. Uh, I think zine now is a verb. Uh, I, I've go. learned something today. A zine is definitely a verb. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Kara, I just want to. I wanted to thank you. Uh, like I said, um, I'll let you. I'll let you kind of get back to it. And um, it was. I, I think, folks, you really should check this out. The, like you said, on your on your page on your order form, you've got single issues. Uh, so if you see something you like there, but I think the subscription is totally worth it and it's kind of fun because it does give me something to look forward to i think you know mail now um is something i you know like even like going through ebay or something it's really nice to come home because that's where we all are and (laughs) and have something there waiting for you and like i said it harkens back to a time when this was it but now it's this nice it's this nice partnership with sort of the now and it's kind of fun like i said to uh to follow you along so i wish you um, all the success, and I really hope that there are many, many more issues of this to come. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. And I, if I'm not mistaken, there might be something in a future issue from you. Ooh. I was even thinking, you know, uh, I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, I was even thinking the other day, it was like I had uh, had another thought in mind. And I'm like, ooh, I think I'm going to – I think that would be perfect for that format. And, you know, a little kooky, a little short um, – and uh, so, yeah, I will. I will. I think I'm going to be assembling something else for your, for your, you know, to see if you if you would like to put it in there and, and wherever absolutely. you do. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, love love thinking in a different in a way. But anyway, um, Kara, once again, thank you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Once again, my thanks to Kara for being on the program tonight. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure to get a chance to talk to her and talk to her about the Into a Larger World fan scene, and I do recommend you check that out. You will not be disappointed, and you will find the links in the show notes. 
Um, if you have any feedback for tonight's episode, good, bad, or otherwise, you can reach out to me in a number of ways. You can leave an Instagram comment on the post for this episode, or you can DM me at Instagram at RebelBaseCard. You can find me on Twitter at RebelBaseCard, as well as Facebook at the same. You can email the program, greg at rebelbasecard.com. And you, once again, you can find the show notes for this and all episodes on the website, rebelbasecard.com. In the Star Wars Card Trader app, you can find me at CornFedTech. If you were a sketch card artist or Star Wars artist or collector, cosplayer, crafter, and want to talk about your work, your passion, your craft, drop me a line. Maybe we can work something out. I'd love to get a chance to talk to you. And you can also help out the program by leaving a comment and a review on iTunes. I will take five stars. I will take whatever. Uh, but it does help grow the program, get the word out. Otherwise, I implore you, keep those cards out of the hands of the Empire, folks, and I'll talk to you soon. The music for this podcast is brought to you under a Creative Commons license from Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. This is Discipline off the album The Slip. This podcast is not affiliated in any way with Topps, Disney, or Star Wars, nor is it endorsed by Disney or Lucasfilm, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds, and any other related items, are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders here in the U.S. and abroad. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com.